0: Welcome to mini episode 147 of Real Life Ghost Stories. Before we start today's episode, I want to remind you all that the beginning of the month is the best time to sign up for Patreon. If you sign up for $5 a month, you get access to over 130 episodes of Tiny Tales, which is a spooky mini episode that comes out every Monday. And if you sign up for $2 a month, you get access to a back catalogue of bad movie reviews and heaps of extra bonus content. And if you sign up for Patreon, you can delete your pledge at any point instantly. You can sign up by going to patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories. The link will be in the description of this episode. I realized recently that I have done absolutely no advertising for the podcast, for Patreon, for anything in the last, you know, well over a year. So I thought, what better time to start doing shameless plugs for Patreon? I have five spooky stories for you today. And the last story comes from October the 5th, 2021. And story number one comes from Joanne. The first story is my cousin's. She has shared these experiences with me since we were teenagers. And they take place in her parents' house, the house she grew up in. Apparently, before my aunt and uncle bought the home, it was owned by a family who were in a religious cult of some kind. And they had to renovate the place to make it habitable. The home is on the south shore of Long Island. My cousin shared an upstairs bedroom with her little sister while they were growing up. She used to wake up suddenly in the middle of the night and see a dark figure standing between her bed and her sister's. She described this thing as appearing to be dressed in a black hooded cloak and having a bone white face with empty black sockets where the eyes should be. The nose was inhumanly long and pointed, giving it the look. Of one of those doctor's masks that they wore during the Black Plague. The mouth was also a gaping black hole. She could see hands sticking out of the sleeves of its cloak, and they were white and skeletal. Her impression of this being was something like the Grim Reaper, minus the scythe. It would just appear, lit up by the nearby window, and stare at her for a few seconds, and then if she looked away and back, it would be gone. Of course, when she was little, she would get up and run screaming to her parents' room. She swears she wasn't just having nightmares, because it was always the same, and she always got up and ran out of the room as soon as she realised what she was looking at. Her sister somehow never woke up to this and never saw the entity. She says she saw the thing about a dozen times while growing up in that house, and it never moved or tried to approach her, except for one time, when it raised a bony hand and pointed at her. Eventually she left home, went to college and then wound up living and working in Queens. Her older brother, a police officer, at one point moved back home with their parents for a short while. He confided in her that one night he was alone in the house and staying in an upstairs bedroom, when he heard a loud commotion coming from his parents' room downstairs. It sounded like drawers being opened and slammed shut repeatedly and violently. Being a cop, his first thought was that there was an intruder looking to rob the house. He pulled his pistol and headed downstairs to investigate. A sweep of his parents' bedroom, the living room, kitchen and patio turned up nothing. Still nervous and not convinced that he hadn't just interrupted a robbery, he went back upstairs. Seconds later the banging and slamming sounds started up again. Seriously freaked out now, it took him several minutes to venture back downstairs, but once again, no evidence of a human intruder was found. No drawers were open, and nothing was disturbed or out of place. The final event took place earlier this year. My cousin, now in her 30s, had moved back into her parents' house with her husband and two children, after living abroad for 10 years. Late one night, her young daughter woke the house up screaming bloody murder. When her father rushed into the room to see what was wrong, the little girl said she had seen a long white shape gliding across her room. She was staying in the same room my cousin had slept in when she was a girl. Shortly after putting their daughter back to bed, telling her it was only a dream, my cousin and her husband heard their son begin to shriek from the downstairs bedroom. Being a two-year-old, the kid couldn't articulate the source of his fear. He just continued to scream inconsolably for hours and wouldn't settle down until allowed to sleep with his parents. Neither child had ever had an episode like this before or since. My cousin and her family are still staying in that house and still sometimes hear weird thumps and bangs around the house at night. No one ever hears the mysterious noises except for at night, and only when they are alone. The second story happened to my brother while he was on active duty in the army and stationed in Schofield Barracks, Hawaii. He was an enlisted military police officer and happened to be on base patrol one night with his partner when their sergeant radioed them and told them they needed to come over to a condemned housing area. Their assignment this night was to drive through base housing and make sure that no shady activities were taking place. Now, unfortunately, even on military bases, one has to deal with drug addicts roaming around, and sometimes they tended to squat in old, abandoned housing areas. This particular neighbourhood was full of condemned houses, with no electricity due to be torn down soon. The sergeant said that someone had called to report seeing people in one of the houses, and that they would probably need to go in and remove some drug addicts. That's what they were expecting, anyway. My brother and his partner went into the house with their patrol sergeant, staying outside to cover the perimeter in case anyone tried to sneak out of the building. First, they did a sweep of the ground floor, to include the kitchen, dining room, bathroom, living room and a pantry. Nothing to be found. But as they were combing each area with flashlights, they heard muffled footsteps coming from the second story. Aha, my brother thought. There's only one staircase, so they can't get out unless they jump out the window. His partner covered the stairs while he swept the second story, which was a long hallway lined with bedrooms and one bathroom. None of the rooms turned up any sign of a person, but they were sure they had heard footsteps. So this time, they both headed upstairs. They not only searched each room, but opened every closet and the bathroom too. Still nothing. Figuring they'd been hearing things, they both headed downstairs to give the house's ground floor a last once-over before heading outside. Meanwhile, their patrol sergeant was walking around outside and could see their flashlights moving through the house. He could also see all the windows. My brother and his fellow soldier went out to report that they hadn't found anything, and perhaps whoever made the call was mistaken. The sergeant was agitated, and informed them that as they were covering the ground floor, he saw two human shadows passing by an upstairs window. They must have missed the intruders, who were probably still in the house. My brother and his battle buddy insisted that they had covered both floors and found no one at all. The sergeant wasn't convinced, and sent them both back in to investigate so the first place they now go is upstairs. They were searching the first bedroom when they heard footsteps pounding down the hallway, and a door slammed shut at the far end of the hall. They ran out of the room and shined their flashlights, but they saw no one. They checked every window in every room, thinking there's a draft, but they were all closed up tight. So they continued checking every room and closet, until they had the bright idea to open up the attic door that was in one of the bedrooms, the one down the end of the hallway where the door was slammed shut. My brother's partner had to stand on his shoulders to pull open the attic door, because it was in the ceiling. He pulled it open, shone his light around and nothing. For good measure, he pulled out his pepper spray and just crop dusted the attic before dropping back down. Nothing that breathed oxygen could have sucked in all that spray and not made tons of noise. Still nothing. At that moment they both heard a door slam at the opposite end of the hallway. They ran down and opened the room but it was empty and so was the closet. Rather than run up and down the hallway all night and not sure what to think they decide to head back downstairs. For good measure They did one more sweep of the ground floor before heading outside to tell the sergeant no luck and did he see anyone exiting the house? He replied that no, he had been doing laps around the perimeter and no one had left the property. What's more, he demanded to know how they hadn't been able to catch anyone since as he had watched them walking out the front door to reach him, two shadows had gone running by the second-story windows. My brother called me at three o'clock in the morning to tell me all of this right after it happened, voice trembling. So I believe that he's sincere. He had never given any thought to the paranormal before this, but he's been a believer ever since. I don't blame him. I'd probably be a believer after that experience too. And I just had a thought in regards to the first story and all of the noises and banging and clattering and commotion that was coming from downstairs. And then when he went downstairs, there was nothing there. There was nothing, you know, no drawers opened. No, nothing had been misplaced, whatever. What is making that sound? Is it that it's like poltergeist activity where like drawers are opening and closing and cupboards are opening and banging shut? Is it like a residual sound? Because I doubt if the whatever entity was making that sound, I doubt they then afterwards were trying to get it all cleaned up before he came down the stairs if you were stood in the middle of that room when the sounds were actually happening would there be something visual to go along with it? Like would things be clattering around or would these sounds just be coming from nowhere? That's, that's That's really giving me food for thought with this story for sure. And story number two comes from Sarah. My first story started off when I was around one or two. I don't remember these things happening but I remember my parents are always telling me about it. We moved into a new house when I was about one. It was bigger than our older house and had a basement. In the basement was a small heater room that was used for storage and of course our heater. My parents would tell me that when we moved in there, I would go into the basement, crack open the door to the heater room and start talking to my friend. I've heard that young kids are able to see spirits but lose this ability as they grow older. Whenever somebody would come down the stairs and ask who I was talking to, I would always reply, I'm talking to my friend and he doesn't want you down here. This always freaked my family out. We would have a few smaller things happen, such as hearing footsteps and things being moved. My dad would say that he would see a little girl in the house, so it made me believe there was more than one spirit there. My grandmother, who was very religious, would always get sick whenever she came up to visit from Florida, It was almost every time, and we figured it was from the change of atmosphere and temperature since she was coming from a warm state. Once we moved out of that house into a new house, she stopped feeling sick whenever she visited, which we all found odd. With my grandmother being very religious, she believed it was a spirit making her feel that way. One other incident in that house I will never forget because it scared me so much. My sister and I used to share a room. She slept in the bottom bunk and I slept in the top bunk. I woke in the middle of the night thinking I heard a scream. But I thought it was just in my dream because I was half asleep. I heard a blood-curdling scream the second time and I realised it was coming from my sister below me. I froze in fear and I refused to open my eyes. Dread and fear paralysed my body. She screamed a third time and my dad came running into my room asking what was wrong. My sister woke up crying, but she didn't know why. She didn't know why she was screaming either. My brother, who is the second child and falls in between my sister and I, came in to whisper to my dad that it was 3.33 am, which I'm sure you guys know is known as the witching hour. I already felt fear from that incident happening, but what made it worse was that the day before my brother had asked my dad if he went into his room the previous night before heading to work. My dad told him that he didn't and asked why. My brother told him that he felt a crusty hand go across his face and we still don't know what it was. A few smaller things that happened in that house is that things would go missing for months and later show back up in places we had looked. My brother also had a small clown statue about a foot high that he had in his room sitting on his dresser. Sometimes we would walk by his room and find the clown facing the wall. The clown was rarely ever touched because it was more for decoration than a toy. I always hated going downstairs at night time by myself. If you were to walk into the kitchen from coming down the stairs, the family room would be on the left. I always told myself not to look because I always felt some type of fear. The same was with the basement and the heater room. We moved out of that house in 2018 so we were there for a long time. There were some bad things that happened when we were moving out that I won't go into but I personally believe it was the spirit not wanting us to leave. After the movers had taken everything from the house the chandelier in the dining room started swinging. Now this chandelier was heavy and hard to move with just footsteps and we were barely in the dining room at that time as well. Needless to say, I have not felt any dread or fear in this new house like I did in the old one. There is just one more story that I would like to tell you. My dad worked on an Air Force base as a firefighter. He has been at that firehouse before I was even born. Everybody knew that the firehouse was haunted. They say that Tommy haunts the place. Tommy was a guy that my dad used to work with that killed himself there. He had hooked a mask up to a tank and that was how he had taken his own life. The firehouse never got rid of that tank and it still stood in the engine bay. As a kid, I hated going into the engine bay by myself. There was also an upstairs that had the lockers with the fire gear. Even if someone was with me, I absolutely hated going up there. It was probably the place I was most scared of as a kid. There was always so much activity going on such as chairs moving around at night doors opening and closing and the phone ringing that was not even hooked up. One day my mom and I went to have dinner with my dad. When we were leaving I remembered that I left my leftovers in the fridge and asked my mom if she would go in with me because everyone was asleep except whoever was in the alarm room and I didn't want to be in there by myself. She came with me and told me to hurry when I got my food. Now the firehouse is relatively small. When you walk from the front door you "'It is just a hallway that leads straight to the engine bay "'and then rooms on the left and right "'with a smaller hallway for offices. "'The kitchen was close to the engine bay door. "'When we got into the car, she said, "'Did you see that?' "'And I knew exactly what she was talking about. "'I said, "'Are you talking about that black figure "'at the end of the hallway that walked into the kitchen?' "'And she said yes. "'We both saw this figure go into the wall "'that would have been the kitchen.' When we went into the kitchen, there was nobody there. I mean, we've got a creepy basement. We've got a kid having an imaginary friend in the creepy basement. What more do you want from a real-life ghost story? Oh, sorry, yes, I know, a crusty hand. A phantom crusty hand that strokes your face in the middle of the night. That is the most horrific thing I've heard in a very long time, for sure. And story number three comes from Christy. I had a hedgehog for three and a half years named Lady Nutmeg Von Prickles. As far as the vet was concerned, she was just named Nutmeg because I didn't want her to think I'd completely lost my mind. I adored this tiny critter who loved to snuggle with me and was heartbroken when she got sick. My husband and I had her put to sleep this past April. Our vet was wonderful. It was very peaceful and I told her that I loved her. She was welcome to visit me any time and to send me ladybugs if she wanted to say hello. I took the day after off work to drive to Shenandoah and clear my head a bit. And when my friend picked up the park pass she had lent me, she said, Oh, you've got a ladybug on you. It was the smallest one I'd ever seen and right where she used to snuggle. A bit after that, my husband and I decided to get on a waitlist for another hedgy. I missed having a critter. People gave us so much hedgy stuff and I'm a side hustle baker so I didn't want to have an animal that would roam free around the apartment and get its hair in my cookies though I would love to have a cat. We had to drive around two hours to pick up baby Ziggy one name only this time and on the way I noticed a bug hanging onto the car window. I'd had the window cracked and the bug came inside and I saw that it was a ladybug. Of course it was. Nutmeg came with us to welcome her baby brother. A couple of months after that, I saw another ladybug on the car windshield and said, Oh, hi, Nutmeg, and didn't think much of it. But when I got home, I saw that Ziggy had somehow managed to poke his eye out. I think it was on the water bottle, but I'm not actually sure. We had to go to three different vets. Not many vets do exotics around here, and COVID protocols meant our regular one wasn't available. He got emergency surgery, and now he's one-eyed Ziggy the pirate. I think Nutmeg was still looking after her brother, and letting me know that something was wrong. Still such a good girl. Since then, I've seen another ladybug in my office, which is on the fourth floor of my apartment building. Not sure how she got in here, but I'm always glad to see her. Literally everything about that story makes me happy. Lady Nutmeg Van Prickles what a name obviously not happy that she had to be put to sleep but very happy that she sent back ladybirds to look after you I can't be dealing with it it's so sweet and then one eyed Ziggy the pirate sounds like an excellent excellent new hedgehog and I think Nutmeg sounds like an excellent hedgehog for looking after him Oh, I mean it's just adorable it's just everything you want in a story And story number four comes from Charlotte. Since I was four, my parents, sisters and I have lived in a really old thatched cottage in a village near Cambridge in England. The house was built in 1666 and still has a lot of original features. Over time, it has been a doctor's surgery, a school for girls, a post office and a cobbler's. The village was also supposedly where one of the biggest witch gatherings took place in medieval times. You enter the house from the side, and a large portion of the house backs onto the street, with no turnings or alleyways. I now live in the next village along, just a mile or so away. And there is an old legend that says, Daddy Witch, a very important witch, is buried under a crossroads in the village. That patch of road never gets wet, even when it rains. They also say, there is always one witch in the village but if you ever found out who it is, something terrible will happen to you. They say the witch or the witches can see ghosts when others can't. When I was about seven, my mum was trying to get my sisters and I in the car. I was looking down the street near the crossroads, and walking towards me was a very little and frail-looking old man with a walking stick, wearing a brown suit and a hat. He had white, neat hair and smart shoes. He had a very kind face and waved at me. I smiled and waved back. He was walking down the street in our direction very slowly and with difficulty. My mum called my name and I quickly turned to answer her. When I looked back the man was gone, nowhere to be seen. There are no alleyways. He would have had to run right past me or cross the road and run away within a few seconds. But he was an elderly man that could barely walk. It freaked me out and when I mentioned it, my parents said they hadn't seen anyone around. I never, ever forgot about this experience. Years later, we were going through some stuff we found in the attic, and behind a wall panel in my childhood bedroom. It was photos and ledgers from when the house was a cobbler's around the early 1900s. I couldn't remember exactly what the man I'd seen years before looked like, but there was a photo with the documents. It was of a man with a very kind face, not as old as the one I had seen, but I just knew it was the same guy. The next day, about 15 years after I originally saw him, I saw him again. He smiled and waved at me through my mum's dining room window, which corresponded with the spot I previously saw him on the street. I was so freaked out I just ran into the next room. My husband always jokes that maybe I'm the village witch seeing ghosts and don't know it. But seriously, who is the old man? My husband says he's a ghost, my dad says he's a guardian angel, and my mum says I'm insane. I like to tell myself he's an angel. It makes me feel better anyway. I don't want to alarm you, Charlotte, but I agree with your husband. You are clearly the witch of this village. The The village witch is you. And now we all know it so therefore we are all in grave danger so thanks very much answer number 5 comes from gary let me first start off by saying that i'm a blind person but very independent i'm saying this because you would realize the significance later i've always had a feeling about places if they felt ominous i wasn't sure if it was real or just my imagination and i now know that it was real Back in 2003, my grandpa, who was living with us at the time, passed away. I took his death very hard. He would always sit and have a cigarette on the patio. One day, about a month after he died, I walked past his bedroom. As I approached the bedroom door, I smelled his cigarette smoke. He never smoked in the house, but I recognised it immediately. Then, as I walked past the door... I could swear I heard him fiddle on his bedside table where he always had a packet with a few things in it. I heard that packet rustle. As I just passed the bedroom door, the smell of the smoke and the noise of the packet just stopped. I turned around and went into the room. There was nothing there, like it had never happened. But I know he was there. Call it a sixth sense, it was definitely not my imagination. It was comforting to me to know that he was there even though he didn't come directly to me. I still got the message that he was okay. I got a very peaceful feeling from the whole thing. Fast forward five years later, we moved into a new house. We have just sold our house and we're looking for a place to rent. We found a place at a very good price. We had a couple of weeks to move in there, so over the two weeks or so, my dad and myself would take a few things up at a time. One of these things was a desk with a computer that I didn't use all the time. One early evening I realised that I had to do some work on that computer. The house was only about a kilometre from where we stayed, so I took my guide dog and went down to the new house. I unlocked the gate and went in and disabled the alarm. The house was obviously very empty and it echoed with every sound, but that didn't bother me. I started noticing while I was working on the PC that my dog was restless. He would either lie by me or explore a new place by sniffing. But he was acting different, pacing and panting quite a bit. I thought that maybe he wanted to go outside to do his business. But when I let him out, he had a quick sniff and came back in again. It was about then that I started to feel very uncomfortable. I got the distinct feeling that I wasn't welcome or wanted there. The feelings got stronger and stronger. Eventually, I needed to use the bathroom. When I went into the passage, that uneasy feeling really got very bad. I finished up and went back to the PC. The feeling wasn't as bad there, but bad enough. I finished my work in a hurry and couldn't wait for the PC to shut down. By this time, panic was starting to overwhelm me. I grabbed my dog's leash and the keys and hightailed the front door. It really felt like something was chasing me, forcing me to leave. I had goose pimples all over, and my neck hair had stood on end. I armed the alarm and went out the front door and slammed the gate shut. I stepped off the front doorstep and took two steps, and suddenly that ominous feeling was gone, like it was never there. When I turned around and looked at the house, I got the feeling that I should turn away and start walking, but the feeling was far less intense than it had been. I thought to myself that I might be nervous about walking home in the dark and everything that had just happened, and my imagination that might play tricks on me. But when I walked away, the relief I felt was wonderful. After moving into the house, and everyone was settled in, the ominous feeling wasn't there anymore. There were places we didn't go often, such as the Wendy house in the backyard. Whenever I went there once in a while, I got that same ominous feeling. There was also a spare room that didn't feel good. It was the room right across from the bathroom where I had felt so uneasy. One day we had a lady doing some ironing. We all went out and left her there. She was ironing in that room that didn't feel comfortable. Needless to say, I didn't say anything to her about anything that I felt. When I got home, she didn't seem her normal self. I asked her if she was okay. And then she said that when she was alone and ironing, she felt very uncomfortable and unwelcome in that room. Coincidence? I think not. Then one night, my then-girlfriend told me that in the corner of the garden there was something there with evil red eyes. I didn't worry about it too much, as she had a very vivid imagination and would sometimes try and play tricks on me. And then I noticed that my dog, who usually loved that particular spot to do his thing in, took a wide berth and did not go near that particular corner. That lasted for about 15 minutes. When I went to that corner, I got that horrible, ominous feeling. It's as if the thing that made us feel unwelcome went wherever it was quiet. Fast forward about two months. I was home alone one Friday night. The front door was closed and locked. I suddenly heard my dog growling. He was very placid and growled occasionally but this type of growl was totally different. He stood in the passage close to the front door, but wouldn't move any closer, which was weird within itself. I touched him and noticed that his heckles were up, and he was fully in an aggressive stance. I got that same ominous feeling again. Then to my horror, I noticed that the front door was wide open. I was in the room right next to where the front door was, and would have heard it open. That above everything else scared the shit out of me, because that wasn't just a feeling. A month later, my gran had passed away that February, so I was taking my dog for a walk around the dam that was close to where we lived. The path took us within about 50 metres of the back of our old house. There was a very little hill, and a turn to the right. As I took the turn, I got that feeling that my gran was close by, but it was a warning feeling. I got the feeling that she was pulling me to one side or trying to at least get my attention to turn my head to the left. So naturally I went to the left. That evening I went for another walk with my then girlfriend along the same route. I told her about the experience of that morning. As we rounded the bend she told me to stop suddenly. Right at the place where I had turned left and turned my head... There was a very sharp twig standing out from a tree that would have gotten me right in my eye if I'd kept going straight. I tried to break that twig off but it was too hard. I just committed that to memory. If I'd walked into it with the speed that I was going I probably would have lost my eye. I should just mention here that I'm just not a slow walker. About 10 years later we moved again and the house we are in now felt so clean and pure and light although there was one section at the back which also had a wendy house that felt ominous but only late at night. One day I went into that area to turn off the pool pump. There was a very weird feeling and I got the smell of a wild animal almost like game but the sense I got was of a dog but then it changed to something like a book. Don't ask me how I know this but I definitely know what I felt. Then all of a sudden it's like the thing whatever it was saw me. I sensed more than heard this thing suddenly run across my path it was so fast it ran right through the brick wall and I heard it collide with the covers behind that brick wall and then it stopped it was almost like it felt safe there I heard a few months later that the dog that lived there with the previous owners had died I don't know what was going on in that house but the fact that the dog responded to it is giving me major heebie-jeebies. Especially guide dogs, which are obviously famously incredibly well-trained animals. And the fact that it was responding so out of character to whatever it was in that house, gives me the creeps. I always think when I listen to these stories, how amazing it is that our bodies are so attuned to the world around us. Even if you don't quite know what it is that's making you feel uncomfortable or anxious, your body still goes, hey, we're in a situation here that I don't like so we need to keep safe. We need to get ourselves out of it, whatever it is. I just think it's incredible. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Joanne, Sarah, Christy, Charlotte and Gary for sending in your stories. Remember the last story came from October the 5th, 2021. And just a reminder that if you're desperate for some more content, you can get loads of extra content by signing up to patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories for $5 a month or for $2 a month. If you want to know about Read Life Course Stories podcast, you can do so by checking out the website, Podcast.com. And on that note, I shall see you next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands.